Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now in our study as we open the Word together. Last Saturday morning, our ink ran out, and I knew that it was running low, so I had a backup, you know, cartridge. So I just, you know, threw the cartridge in and hit the print once and again, and I think the thing just kind of exploded or something. There was just black ink all over everything, so I kind of wiped it off and put it in there, hoping everything would be okay, but I mean, every page just turned out black, and it was just a mess, and I was trying to clean it out, the printer inside, and then I pulled out the cartridge, I was wiping it down, putting it back in, wiping it down, and finally we had to put the old one back in. But yesterday, my wife and I went to take back that cartridge, you know, because obviously it was faulty, something was wrong with it. So I went to take it back, and we're in there. I won't mention this, the name of the store. And the guy was just so rude. Just right off the bat, he was like snapping at us and just like almost, you know, looking at us like we're lying to him and all. You know, it's just so rude. And then my wife whispered in my ear, and she says, he's rude. And I said, I, I know, honey, I know. And she says, she goes, well, I'm going to let him know. <laughs> My, my wife has the gift of exhortation, if you know. She has no problem letting someone know when they're out of line. So, and, and the funny thing is, is she was teaching that morning on the kindness of the Lord. And uh, I didn't know that till after. And that morning, the Lord gave me a, a scripture in Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer drives away wrath. And, and I knew I was going to be teaching on love this morning and all. And I was studying on love. So I, I whispered back in her ear. I said, honey, a soft answer drives away wrath. Let's, let's love on this guy. And oh, she, she says, oh, okay. So we just, so just kind of loved on this guy. And just, you know, we just watched him soften up just before our, our eyes. You know, a soft answer drives away wrath. And he was angry. He was upset. But, you know, we weren't upset with him. We weren't angry back at him. We were just loving him. And we were watching the Lord work. And by the time we, we were checking out, you know, my wife said something else, which was cute. She said something like, you know, we can't have the pastor go without his notes on Sunday morning, you know. And, and he kind of looked and he says, Drew, are you a pastor? I said, yeah, I'm a pastor. <laughs> but it opened up a wonderful door. He, this man was a Christian and he hasn't been going to church. And, and it just kind of opened a, a wonderful door uh, for the Lord to minister to this man and to show this man his kindness, his goodness, the Lord's kindness, the Lord's goodness and the, the Lord's patience. And that's what we're going to look at here this morning. We're going to look at love. We're going to look at how powerful love is in the proof. Actually, you know, as Christians, there's going to be proof that you're a Christian if you have love in your life. So let's look. Again, 1 John chapter 2, verse 7. And John the Apostle writes, Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, A new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. 
He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. John is, as we already looked at, he's in his 90s at this time, the Apostle John, when he writes this. If you recall in chapter 1, in verse 4, he says, These things I write unto you, that your joy may be full. And it's a blessing as I think about that, because as we go through this epistle, one of the main reasons why John wrote this, that we would have fullness of joy. And then if you recall, at the beginning of this chapter, in verse 1, he says, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And we're to stay away from sin. We're to, to run away from those things that God hates. So hopefully as we go through this letter, through this epistle, we're not going to be those that practice sin. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to be sinless as we looked at last week, but hopefully we're going to sin less. We're going to sin a lot less because we know that sin is wrong. And we're not to practice sin. Now the apostle tells us if we're true children of the light, if we're true Christians, it'll be evident by the love that we have for our brother. It'll be evident. So he who loves his brother is in the light. What does that mean? We're in the light. I believe, you know, Jesus is the light of the world. We're in Christ. We're in the light. We're walking in truth. We're walking in the light. We're true believers. If what? If we love. And specifically, if we love our brother, you know, as I've been walking with the Lord and, you know, the more and more I realize that God wants to love on us. He truly wants to love on us. He loves us so much. And primarily, he's going to use others in our lives to love on us. We're commanded to love one another. And God loves us so much. You know, one thing that the Lord showed me when, you know, when I first actually was on our honeymoon, my wife and I are on our honeymoon, and we were together and all, and it was just kind of neat, you know, just getting to know each other and all. And, and the Lord showed me, Joe, I want to love this lady through you. I want to use you to love her. I love this woman. And the Lord just kind of impressed on my heart how much he loves my wife. And he says, I want you to be a vessel of my love to demonstrate my love to this precious woman that I've entrusted you with. And I'll tell you, it's been a, a wonderful thing to, to watch the Lord do that work in spite of me. The Lord, you know, he uses me as a vessel of his love. But it's not just for my wife, it's for others that are around us. That God doesn't, you know, it's not just for our spouses, but, you know, we're to love one another. That's supposed to be a mark that we're true Christians. It's one of the, the first things I noticed when I became a Christian, I I started loving those in the church, the, the body of Christ. I, you know, a change took place. And then I noticed when I started going to church, are these guys for real? Do they really love me this much? You know, can I trust these people? They just seem so loving, but are they for real? Is this for real? God loves us. And God wants to demonstrate that love through us as we yield ourselves to him. God is love. It was so awesome after the... The service last Sunday, a lady came up to recommit her life to Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you, it was just, it was a blessing to be a part of that. Where she was weeping up front here and, and just saying, Lord, I, I'm recommitting myself to you. 
And it's neat to just see God's love, you know, just touching a person's life. And it was just a, a true blessing to just be a small part of what the Lord was doing. And I had an opportunity to talk with her. And, you know, what really blessed me, she, she told me that, you know, she called up her youth pastor because she was raised in the church. And she, she called up her youth pastor just to encourage him and, and to let him know how instrumental he was in her life and, and to thank him and all. And I look at that and I think, Wow, there's a demonstration of God's love. She, her heart was changed. She was touched again as she recommitted her life to Jesus Christ. And she, in her heart, she wanted to call her youth pastor, her old youth pastor, to let him know, hey, you were instrumental in my life. Because her heart's been touched. Her heart's been changed. As Christians, again, we're marked by love. 1 John 4, 8 says, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. 1 John 4, 16, it says, And we have known and believed that the love that God has for us, God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. This word, the Greek word is agape. We've talked about this before. It's God's love, agape love. It's a, a selfless type of a love. It's a love that God gives us for others. There's another a Greek word, most of you know that, that's phileo. And the word phileo is where we get our word Philadelphia from. It speaks of a brotherly love. That's not the love that's talked about here. But there's a brotherly love, phileo. And then there's another word for love is eros. It's more of a a love that speaks of a lustful type of a love. It's Actually, I don't know if you realize this or not, but that word eros is never used in the New Testament. It's where we get our word erotic from, and it's not used here. God is love. I love what it says in John 13, 35. This is so wonderful. John 13, 35, it says, By this all will know that you are my disciples. And does it say that they'll know that you're my disciples by how much you read your Bible? No. It says, By this all will know that you're my disciples. Does it say that they'll know that you're my disciples by how often you go to church? No, it doesn't say that, does it? Does it say that They'll know that you're my disciples by how well you pray and how eloquent you're able to speak. It doesn't say that. John 13, 35 says, By this all will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. That's powerful. All will know. It'll be so evident when there's love in your life that you're you're a disciple of God. Something happened. Something changed. There's love. You know, I know people that they're very talented and you'd think, wow, they're so godly because, you know, they might sing Christian songs or they might do certain things. And you're like, wow. And you're so impressed by their talent. But I even know some that I wonder if they're even saved because there's not an ounce of love showing through their lives. By this, all will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. I love with 1 John 3.14 says, and we know that we've passed from death to life because we have love for the brethren. Matthew 22, I just want to, do you remember that story when a, the lawyer went to Jesus and it says that the lawyer was testing Jesus. And as he was testing Jesus, he, he asked him, he says, you know, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Remember that? Trying to test him, he was, what's the best commandment? What's the greatest commandment of all the commandments? Remember what Jesus said? He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. 
He says, that's the first and greatest commandment. Then he says, the second's like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Everything in this, all, all the law and the prophets, everything in the Bible is based on two commandments. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. It's all wrapped up in that. And I think about that, and I think, wow, you know, to, to love God first and foremost, to put God first. And, and how often is that place being challenged in our lives? Things coming in, trying to, to take that first place. God desires to be first and foremost. Your first love, the, the thing that you, you desire first and foremost should be God, and then the second thing should be your love for other people. And I don't know about you, but so often there's things that'll challenge that spot, that'll they'll say, I want that spot. And you might think about that and pray and say, Lord, is there something in my life that's challenging me and trying to take that spot away? And maybe it's a car, maybe it's another relationship, maybe it's a job, maybe it's a hobby, maybe it's something else, but there, there's things in our lives that want to take that spot and we have to, you know, fight that. It's a battle. Because it's the greatest commandment to love God first. Another person came up for prayer last Sunday. It was such a huge blessing. But basically, when the invitation went out for, you know, to raise your hand to receive the Lord, this gentleman felt that he should have raised his hand, but he didn't do it. So he left, and his friend took him, was driving him home or wherever, and, and he felt, I believe, the Lord say, go back. I want you to pray to receive Christ as your Savior. It was such a blessing. You know, I was praying with somebody else, and he came up front, and he, he prayed to receive Christ as his Lord and Savior. And he knew it was the Lord prompting him. And it was so awesome to talk with him to hear. He says, I knew I needed to come back because I needed to receive Christ. And at that point, he decided to make God first in his life. And just to listen to the stuff that was coming out of his mouth, I'm like, this is so cool. And to watch his countenance change right before my eyes is just amazing. And it's Henry. I want to point him out because Henry received Christ as his Savior here today. So we want to... But he came up front here. He came up for prayer to say, I want Christ first. And that's what God wants from all of us. We're to put Christ first. Remember what Jesus said to the church of Ephesus. Revelation chapter 2, he, he commended them for their good works and everything that they did, their patience, their hatred towards things that were, that were evil, their perseverance. And he went on and on saying, you guys are doing a great job. But he said, nevertheless, I have this against you. You left your first love. You left that place where the Lord was first and foremost in your life. You, you've walked away from that place. You've left it. And I wonder if there's any today that maybe have left that place. And Christ knows. And he loves you so much. He's saying, come on back. I love you. Come on back. You, you've put this before me. You've put that before me. Come on back and make me first. Put me first in your life. Kindle that love again. Seek me with all your heart again. And he told the church in Ephesus, and he tells us, 
He says, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the first works. He says, or else I'll come to you quickly and remove my lampstand or your lampstand from its place. I'll, I'll take my presence away from you. Because if you're cheating on me and if you're not putting me first, I, I'm going to walk away from that relationship. He's saying, better yet, come back. Come on back. To love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. To be in that place where he means so much to you again. We serve a jealous God that loves us so much. He, he doesn't want second place. He doesn't want third place. He doesn't want fourth place. He doesn't want fifth place. He doesn't want to be last in line. Oh, I have time after this, this my busy schedule. Now I'll just, I finally have time for you, God. I'm going to go now and spend a little bit of the time that I have with you. He says, no, 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 no. I'll take it, but... Put me first. I want to be first. I love the scripture in Romans 5, 5. It says, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. God pours out his love in our hearts. Hope doesn't disappoint because the love of God's been poured into our hearts. God's love is poured into us. And we just need to receive it. We need to just ask, Lord, I need your love. Pour out your love in my heart, Lord God, and, and I'll receive all that you have. But it's not just for you at that point because, again, the first one, the first commandment, love the Lord first. But then once he pours his love out into your heart, it's for the people around you. Again, just to remind you, God wants to love on those people around you. And isn't it neat when, you know, you're being used by God and, and someone's going through a difficult time and you're, you're, you know, you give them scriptures and you comfort them and you, and you pray with them and, and you watch the Lord work through you and you're just blown away. It's like, wow, Lord, this is so awesome. And you get ministered to. Do you ever notice that? Sometimes I wonder, as, you know, as I minister to people and, and as the Lord touches them and ministers, it's like, is, was that for them or was that really for me? Because I'm the one that gets ministered to every time as I, as I watch the Lord work. And you say, I believe it's because the Lord says, that's what I want. I, I want vessels that I can pour out my love and my kindness and my goodness and my mercy. And I, I want those vessels. I, I want to use you. It's beautiful. A Tuesday night before the Bible study, you know, I went on a little walk and I just had a you know, a little bit of time before the study, so I thought, oh, I, I need to get some fresh air. So I, I went on a walk, and I stopped at the light, you know, and this guy comes up on a, on a bicycle, and, and right off the bat, you know, I just said hi to him, and, and within a very short period of time, he, he starts sharing with me about some difficulties that he was going through. And I was just, you know, excited. I'm like, wow, Lord, you're, this is neat. And I find out, you know, he's a Christian, and the Lord was just, you know, giving me some things to say, and I prayed with him, and, and again, the Lord just, you know, the Lord was just pouring in this love in my heart for this person. I never met the man in my life. It's just, I just met him there. I'm telling you, you know, walking, stopped at the corner, stopped at the light. He's on a bicycle. He starts opening up his heart to me, and, and it was just, you know, next thing we know, we're on the other side of the street, and we're praying, you know. And again, I, I think I was ministered to more than he was ministered to. The fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. I, I believe that means, you know, as we're walking in the Spirit, as we're, we're abiding in the Lord, 
the result is going to be love. And if you look at Galatians 5, and 23, you know, you see how it, it's manifested. It's manifested in joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. So we're walking with the Lord. We're walking in the Spirit. And you're going to notice that, wow, God has given you kindness for people. He's going to give you gentleness for others. He's going to give you patience with others. But I believe also that it's, just, it's not just, you know, it is the fruit of the Spirit, but there's a choice. We have to make a choice. Are we going to love or are we not going to love? There's a choice. I have to make a choice, like that man that we, had at the, you know, we talked to at the store. I had a choice to make. My wife had a choice right then and there. Are we going to snap back at him and say, hey, buddy, you're rude, and give him the what for and, and all that? Or, or do we choose to be long-suffering? Do we choose to, to be gentle and have self-control and to be kind and to be good? There, there's a choice. So as we abide in the Lord, it's right there. It's it's right there for for us to have. The the fruit of the Spirit is love, and all this is available. But then i got to make the choice. You have to make a choice. Are we going to demonstrate that to others? Are we going to be that way to others? It's your choice. It's my choice. And I think so often we can choose to be in the flesh. I don't want to be nice to this guy. He's not very nice to me. Love is a choice. Why do I say that? Just, if you can, just jot this down. But 1 John 4, 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another. That sounds like choice to me. Let us love one another. It doesn't say, Beloved, you automatically are going to love one another when you're in the Spirit. It, it says, Let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He also says in 1 John three eighteen, My children, my little children... Let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed or action and in truth. So there's a choice. Oh, Lord, help us. Now, what about, again, loving those that aren't lovable? I think that's the hardest. To love those that aren't lovable is a true demonstration of God's love. Because it says that God demonstrated his own love for us when while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Do you know that God loved you when you weren't so lovable? And while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you? And then he says, I want you to love that same way. And without the power of the Holy Spirit, it's impossible. But with the power of God's Holy Spirit, it's wonderful. Because the world, and I want to close with this, the, the world does not know how, cannot manufacture this love. They can't fake it. But we have God's love available for each one of us. God is love. And even with the unlovable, even with those that are terrible and rude, those that hurt us, God wants to give a love to them and show them a love that they, through us as he pours it out in our heart. And this is what I'm closing with, this right here, just to go with that statement. Matthew 5.43, Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But check it out. Next verse. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. And he goes on to say, 
that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Don't even the tax collectors or the heathens do the same. God's love. He's the source of love. He has everything that we need. And we need to make a choice. And we're going to choose to love. And we're going to choose to walk in our flesh. Let's pray. Your throne of mercy It's the sound of our singing praise It's the sound of our singing praise You have been listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick and Outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our service times are Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory. As we come to Your throne of mercy, it's the sound of our singing praise. It's the sound of our singing praise.